You're listening to Now You've Seen It, the podcast that endeavors to fill the holes in your essential movie viewing. Here's your host, Gregor Sprague. Hello and welcome to Now You've Seen It. Uh, I am the host this week, Gregor Sprague, and joining me are the um, on our panel is Cassley and uh, Daniel Serwin. Yeah, you got it right. Congratulations. Also, yes, Dan is fine. I mean, yeah, Dan, sorry. Um, sorry. And uh, joining us is our very special guest, uh, Alan Viennes. We're here going to be talking about a movie um, that Alan has not seen beforehand. That's and right. uh, yeah. So, Alan, let's just jump right into this real quick. Uh, you hadn't seen Mad Max. Now, I'm going to play the guy who has totally seen Mad Max and is a Mad Max fanatic. Why have you missed this? Well, I think for me, it it just boils down to Mad Max is so confusing in America. Like you have the Road Warrior, which is also called Mad Max 2. And then you had Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So like, I think for the longest time, I must have thought like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was the only Mad Max movie like Master Blaster and Mel Gibson's long, crazy hair and the whole nine yards ago. This movie's wild. And it wasn't probably until I was in my 20s that I realized that there was this original, like, low-budget Mad Max movie made in Australia, and I, and I just never got around to watching it, you know? Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of doing things out of order, way out of order, because I was supposed to introduce the how, the panelists and all that stuff first. But we'll, we'll do that part now. So, uh, Cass, Dan, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you? doing wonderful i got the winter sinus stuff going on which is oh, fun me too. <laughs> hey me, me too, too. I mean, <laughs> hey it's all, all right all four <laughs> for four yeah. today's not, today's yeah. podcast is brought to you by mucinex <laughs> <laughs> or just mucus <laughs> <laughs> oh. today's podcast brought to you by that which is running down the back of my throat <laughs> i will try not to clear my throat or my nasal passages on the podcast i promise oh no that's where i've i've quick on the mute button <laughs> like, all that stuff it's like Shoot. you gotta ride that button man oh yeah but yeah so i mean and and i will preface before we get into any of the ads and all the other stuff we ask these questions in fun we do not mean to say now you've seen it in a mean-spirited way because we all have myself included these uh movies that we've just happened to miss this is the second movie that i've hosted and i haven't seen this until three weeks ago but yeah we are gonna be right back from this ad i'm christy and this is josh and we are the mountains and the sea it's a podcast about prince and his vast musical output we look at each and every prince album and ancillary material like fashion videos related artists b-sides remixes outtakes we choose a high the mountain a low the sea and a time capsule yeah those are her dumb rules not mine josh is a prince superfan and has been since long before i met him that's right and i pulled christy over to the purple side with my wit and my charm the music helped <laughs> Join us every other week anywhere you get your podcasts and happy purple listening, friends. G'day, Ben. G'day, Pete. Hey, you hear what happened up at Highway 9, Sector 26? No. What? Yeah, some bloke called Knight Rider broke out of the clink and killed some MFP bronze. Struve? Yeah. Look, anyway, the Drongo ended up cactus when he crossed old Max Rockatansky and his mate Goose. That Rockatansky's mad. Too right. Mind you, Knight Rider's mob didn't take the news of his death well and started tearing up a town. Bloody bogans. Yeah, so 
Max and Goose. They arrest one of them, but the pencil pushers at the Hall of Justice let him off on a technicality. How did Max take that? Oh, he turned in his badge and buggered off with his family out bush. No. Yeah. Crazy thing, though. Night Rider's crew were out there, too. They killed Max's wife and kid. So Max got his boomstick and sent him straight? <sighs> too right, he did. Double barrel headaches all round. Beauty. Uh, basically, this is the 1979 Mad Max, which I will point out, uh, Alan, when me and you, before we jumped in, you brought up an interesting fact that I did not know that this was Mel Gibson's second role he's ever had. Yes, that's what I, I, I gleaned off IMDb. <laughs> yeah. And that this was like his first like starring role. Like this, His first role was probably like a secondary character. Yeah. But still, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, break down some other little stats here right now. And I'm going to apologize for the non-converted stuff, but uh, it only had a budget of around... 350,000 to 400,000 Australian dollars. Um, but it made in a worldwide box office, a hundred million dollars us. So it made all its money. And then some, yeah, that's gotta be one of the most like successful movies ever. For, like, I, that according, exchange. yeah, according to what, what I saw on the Wikipedia, um, it had, it had that record for a while. It's, it's actually, yeah, it holds the Guinness world record for highest box office to budget ratio for any motion picture. Uh, that is no longer true. Blair well, Witch, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I say at the time it was, but it. Yeah. So Cass is right; it was topped off by Blair Witch, but most recently Blair Witch was knocked off because Paranormal Activity was made for eleven thousand oh, yeah. dollars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Paranormal Activity had some—I don't even remember what the uh, uh, box was on that, but it was insane compared to an eleven thousand dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Yes, but for the time, especially for a non. Uh, non-modern Hollywood or modern film technology film. Uh, yeah, this movie did a really great return. Yeah. And of those three movies, like of Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, like Mad Max is an actual movie. Like it has incredible stunt work and explosions and like mm-hmm. legitimate acting. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And, and pre-racist sexist Mel Gibson. Yeah. I mean, it was back when we could enjoy <laughs> Mel Gibson before he became a big uh, asshole. Pre-troubling Mel Gibson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does, that, does that affect you at all, watching the movie with young Mel Gibson, knowing what a dirtbag he is? So I'm a fan of Woody Allen. So uh, no, because I've learned to separate art from artist. Yeah. Because exactly. I had to. I, so I come at it from a completely different. Uh, the big thing that I'm in is professional wrestling. And oh, me too. One of my favorite wrestlers, uh, you know, back in the uh, early 2000s was Chris Benoit. And so if you know how that, how that whole thing ended. Yeah. Sorry. No. So it's, it's one of those things like, like with that, I always, I always separate the person's career from what they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's not just take say like, oh, I will never see this person stuff. I'm not going to be vocal about it. You know, yeah. with, you know, with the comments that, that, uh, Mel Gibson's made, unless he's truly apologized and whatnot and said, you know, that's in the past. Then it's like, if I see him in something and it doesn't, and he's a starring role, I might be like, all right, that might be a watch it some other way type movie. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like Mad Max isn't just Mel Gibson. Like it's a, it's a sum of many parts. Like it's George yes. Miller to the director, and 
everything else. And Mel Gibson's just a, a bit of the the thing. Like the fact that I'm Mad Max Fury Road, I, which I saw when it was in theaters, I loved. And then that one, the Max character is being played by Tom Hardy. And it's just um, like, I feel I would rather the series keep going on like that, which is different people filling in. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the James, James Bond, Bond way. Yeah. Absolutely. I know they were, they were talking about doing like a Charlize Theron, like separate movie about her character, which would be awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah. Sure. That, and that's, I mean, it's, it's one of those, cause I'm going to tie it to the other, the other one. Uh, I'm a, I'm also, also a big Edgar Wright fan. And I love baby driver. And yeah. that came out just before, right before, <laughs> right before all of, uh, God, I can't think of his Ke- name. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Kevin Spacey's uh. stuff that he had done in the past. And it's like, but the movie's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is how I, is how I justified owning it and all this stuff. And it's like, I, yes, he dirtbag, you know, has issues that he has to work on. Yeah. This is good. The soundtrack is awesome. <laughs> baby Edgar driver Wright as a whole is, is awesome it doesn't yes. matter if kevin spacey's in it or not yes oh uh, and the thing about like cinema especially too is like one person does not make a film one person is not the reason we love a film usually i mean sometimes one character performance can really break it but like I, mel gibson is not the only reason i like the original three mad max movies you know like it's mm-hmm. much more than that you know it's every performer it's george miller it's the whole thing and so his performance i can sit and look and go okay as an ensemble this is much more than just this one really troubling guy whose father's a holocaust denier yeah (laughs) yeah i don't think max is even my favorite character in the original mad max i'm more of a i'm a george goose man my jim goose goose Goose. (laughs) jim jim goose I'm I'm a toe cutter fan, but you know, oh. I always like a good bad guy, and boy, is he a good bad guy! Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, let's let's sort of go around a little bit, and what what were your uh what were your your opinions on Mad Max? You know, separate the whole Mel Gibson thing, um, that little rabbit trail that we went down, but I mean, you know, just in general. How was, uh, you know, Cass, we'll start with you. I mean, you know, I liked it. It's not great. Uh, it's a good exploitation movie. I'll say that. It's a good revenge story. Um, I do like the random bits of, like, dark humor thrown in and the weirdness. The love story was a bit too much. The movie actually was much slower than I remembered, having not seen it in since I was a kid. <laughs> um but the costumes are good. Everything looks low budget, which I kind of like. I don't mind the lack of exposition. I know a lot of people complain about that, but I, I don't mind just jumping right in. And I do love the bad guys are great. Um, Mel Gibson is okay. I don't really like him, but whatever. And uh, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy watching it again. All right, Dan, because uh, it sounds like you were sounds like you're a little bit bigger of a Mad Max fan. Um and all that so uh yeah so i my history with mad max is a little weird um i uh like has been mentioned before uh today well i grew up i knew beyond thunderdome like that was because that was when i was on tv when i was a kid and whatever else and um for years and years that was the only one i'd seen then when i was in college uh a friend of mine was a film major and he made me watch road warrior 
And he was like, oh, you like Beyond Thunderdome, you need to watch, you know, Road Warrior. And I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And he had the original poster that calls it Mad Max 2. And I was like, wait, what? Like, how, what? <laughs> and so then I then we went and watched Mad Max. So I literally saw them in reverse order. And which is weird considering the world gets considerably less fucked as you go backwards. And uh, it's very, there's a very different feeling between Mad Max and Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. And so I, um, this is the one I've seen the least, but uh, it tussles with Road Warriors being my favorite of the three of them. Um, after having rewatched it uh, twice now for this podcast, I think that it is probably my favorite solely because of the opening chase sequence. Um, that sequence is so frenetic. It's so long. We would never get a chase sequence that long mm -hmm. in a movie today, I don't think. Oh, yeah. And as Cass pointed out, it feels exactly like a great exploitation movie, which is uh, a big chunk of my uh, preferred film media's exploitation, schlocky yeah. kind of 60s, 70s, 80s stuff. Awesome. Awesome. And then, uh, Alan, uh, what's your, as the person who, I, I think it said you had seen uh, the, uh, the Road Warrior first, uh, what was your take on finally seeing uh, Mad Max, like the overall I mean, much like much like Dan, like I started with um, Beyond Thunderdome and the Road Warrior, probably like on TBS or USA or something like that. Okay, back in the days of cable, and um, it was just it's it's you don't see too many like post apocalyptic movies like that. Like the, I think the way the Australians are a little crazy, the way they make these movies, some of these stunts, especially in the in this first original Mad Max, I I it reminded me of a documentary I watched a few years ago called Not Quite Hollywood, and I watched a little bit of that today in preparation for the podcast and they talk about the way they like filmed these stunts. And one of them is just the cameraman's on the back of goose's motorcycle. Like while he's going over a hundred miles per hour and you see the speedometer in the movie just to show that yes, he is going that fast. And like, there's no safety harnesses. There's no helmets. So like seeing that for the first time, like this kind of action work and stunt work and knowing how like raw it is and how they like would just block off roads in Australia to, without any kind of police permission to shoot these long <laughs> chase scenes. And I thought it was incredible. And then it like Cass says, it's a, it's a great exploitation revenge movie, but like weirdly mixed with like an Australian travel log <laughs> video <laughs> in the second half, like when they're on vacation with his wife. And I was and there's a whole, there's a couple of different genres mixed in. I feel like you have the, the action and the car chases and all that. You have the weird romantic travel log. And then there's also like a weird bit in the hospital. It almost feels like a horror movie when Max sees Goose's burnt up body and everything. It's just, it was the whole mixed mass of genres. I, I loved it to be honest. Awesome. Awesome. Um, gosh, this, this feels weird. Cause at first, like hearing you guys talk about it, it sort of changed my opinion a little bit of it. Cause originally I'm like this. And I think it was the jumping of genres that pulled me out of it a little too much. Cause I'm, I mean, it's, it was, hey, there's, Again, being a professional wrestling fan, I, I do not, I don't like the shaky cam, uh, you know, BS that happens with in, in wrestling, especially on WWE, where it's like, oh, we're trying to follow the action, and the camera guy's doing it too, and it's like, zoom out, just <laughs> zoom out, let us see mm -hmm. a little bit more, and and in here in in that chasing, it seemed like there were very there there were very a lot of shots that were under two seconds and I'm like, wait, what am I, who am I following here? And, and again, not having the exposition, you know, only having, 
I think it was on Showtime, the little blurb that they put on the app that said, uh, you know, in, in a dystopian Australia. And I'm like, this looks like it could just be Australia in the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks perfect. Everyone's in normal I mean, 70s clothes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if this is post-apocalyptic, like, and, um, and Cass, I'm gonna steal one of your questions here that you had, uh-huh. um, you know, in the in the opening where it states that Mad Max is only a few years from now. I'm like, but it it does, you know, if it was, you know, going from it was filmed in you know 78, released in 79, you know, sort of deal. Like, okay, so it put it in mid 80s. So basically, what I'm hearing is Australia is just gonna be fine. With the, yeah. with the exception of the crazy people. <laughs> yeah, there's that whole little town that just the stores are still open. Everyone's yeah. just drinking. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, no, here comes that uh, Australian murderous biker gang again. <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, oh, here they're going to drag one of us off. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I mean. It's, it's, it's such a weird. It feels like the people making the movie just took whatever parts. I go, okay, we have this little town in Australia. We can shoot here. We'll just do it, and we'll roll the motorcycle I mean, gang through. That's low budget filmmaking, though. A lot of the yeah, time. You just you yeah. have to film what you what you have even more than what you want, or you have to make what you have be what you want. And I think you know George Miller deserves a lot of credit for being able to pull that off. I mean, this was also his first feature film. Like he'd done two shorts before this, and this was his first feature film. So like that's that's an accomplishment to take something that again, it's disjointed again. It has pacing problems again. There's a point at which the entire tone of the movie changes when they go out into the, you know, and uh, the, the camping adventure basically. Um, so it's not perfect, but given how little it was made on the fact that it's an entirely Australian production, which, you know, as somebody who, you know, he's a, a student of world cinema, basically, by virtue of having watched it all. We don't really appreciate, I think, in this country, how hard it is for the film business in other countries to exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah, because it's set up, it was set up here in America initially. So, yeah, like cinema is, you know, every time you see a, a film that's entirely produced with a, you know, an entirely local cast or predominantly local cast or whatever else it is an astounding accomplishment that it even got made in the first place. And uh, this does a lot of that. Yeah. And that's, yeah, no, exactly. And it's where I appreciate it, but it's just like, because honestly where I feel like if they had done the first little bit before you get to the revenge stuff and shortened that out. And I'm like, I would have enjoyed that movie a little bit, you know, a little bit more. Mm. You know, where yeah. it's, it's cause it was like the revenge stuff. It's like, it, it, to me, it seemed like at first I didn't know who to follow, you know, diving myself into the movie, forgetting the fact that Mel Gibson's on the cover and, you know, knowing what I know from pop culture, it's like, okay, who am I rooting for exactly? And then, you know, you, you see goose, I think it was goose on the motorcycle, right? I'm like, wait, you can ride with your motor, your leg up on the gas tank that like, that doesn't seem <laughs> Right, it's and then perfectly safe. Yeah, you know, it's Australia. They, they, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's oh, Australia. They literally have like you know bugs that'll kill you. The motorcycle is nothing. I I just realized because in in the documentary I watched, they talked about how like one of the main stuntmen is just this crazy Australian guy who would just 
fling himself off cliffs and stuff with no no regard for his well-being but like he had broken his leg before the filming was about to start so he was like doing all those car stunts with a cast on and that's probably why goose is wearing a cast in the (laughs) the movie Uh, yeah yeah Yeah, we need to hide this somehow yeah goose your leg is broken now for the first 15 (laughs) minutes it it also reminds me of uh that uh was it on netflix uh the the movies that made us the one talking about uh uh home alone where mm-hmm. they they did they had stunt people who did all those stunts that uh that the thieves had to go through and you know like the one thief who was the stunt double for uh joe pesci would like throw him up throw himself off the stairs and everyone's just quiet and they're like and then uh I think it was what Chris Columbus, the director, he'd be like, and cut. Are you okay? I'm fine. Let's do it again. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't think anything beats like real stunt work. Like anything, stunt people are anything CGI, place. like CGI bodies flailing around and nothing tops actual gravity and people falling, you know, for the two of you here who are professed professional wrestling fans, it's much the same thing, right? It's like oh, watch somebody watch somebody throw themselves off the top turnbuckle, get back up and do it again, and it's just mm-hmm. like, am I the same species? And yeah. stuntmen, <laughs> stuntmen are the same thing, where it's just like, you know, I'm clumsy, I fall down a lot, and it takes me a while to get back up, but that fucker <laughs> just threw himself down a hill. Like, mm-hmm. how do they do it? <laughs> yeah, I took a bad step once and broke my leg. This guy's driving a car off a bridge. Yeah. yeah right. And, and like, you know, I, I get the no fear thing. Cause I, you know, I know a couple of people who are, uh, who have been extreme sports athletes and whatever else. Like I get the no fear thing, but there's also just a, like, you know, you get to a certain point of the body doesn't respond the way it used to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, like with, with re- and re- even reading some of the trivia things in here off of the IMDB page, um, you know, perfectly low budget thing most of the extras were uh used were paid for the film were paid in beer it's how how shit happened Find back me then. Up. <laughs> yeah back then oh. that's still how it happens yeah and i mean it's a lot of the stuff that i mean i mean i i remember hearing about you know movies that had bigger budgets in you know the late 90s early 2000s it would um you know it was like if it's if it's set in a place okay they record off hours uh, in that store but then it was very much you know oh we got to film at this time like mm-hmm. you know let's you know quickly get the stuff we need and get out um but yeah i mean it's it's like I, so I, basically i say i'm res- i respect it for all that stuff but it's just like it seemed too weird for me a little bit but but i, I still enjoyed it um mm-hmm. so Cass, I'm gonna steal some. I'm gonna steal your questions because you Go know. For they're, it. They're, I mean, that's what they're for. Yes, <laughs> great, great questions, Cass. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, well, I so I stole that one. So, uh, where do you feel like this would be set? Uh, you know, like this whole in the near future, a few years from now, are we talking? You know, full on. Like, like we sort of joked about it. You know, like we got like the Walking Dead happening in America, and meanwhile, Australia, they're just missing some of their imports. From what it seems like with this movie, yeah. um, where, where do you guys, where do you guys feel like this is sort of taking place? I feel like this is early on during the apocalypse. Like things yeah, are like, still breaking down slowly. Yeah, there's still there's still a band of people doing the quote unquote law law enforcement, yeah. but they're all they're all pretty bad dudes too. They're just more like addicted to driving fast cars and uh, 
Yeah, because there was like a, a court case at one point, so that's still working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lawyers are still getting work in this reality. <laughs> so, but I, I, to, I guess it could feel like it's 15 years from Road Warrior, where everything is like deserts and uh, gas mm-hmm. is the most precious thing. Yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't take long to get from one to the other, and yeah. especially in a place like Australia, where a lot of their um, well, a lot of their everything is kept up by people intentionally making things green, intentionally farming, intentionally everything else. And as society breaks down, I mean, and you can see it too. You go from uh, from Mad Max to Road Warrior to Beyond Thunderdome, like society breaks down further every time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always believed that it was uh, on its, we were, you know, humanity's on its way to the end in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They won't be wearing their uh, corduroy jeans for too much longer. <laughs> They'll be in uh, dirty smocks and uh, sand boots. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it sort of reminds me a little bit of um, edit, of uh, the original Star Wars trilogy and then going to the prequels, where the prequels, you look at them and it, they had... Now, granted, there is the technology difference, but even in the story, they had... You know, when you go to Coruscant, they had all these ships and stuff like that. Then you get into the, you know, A New Hope, and there's, you know, maybe 10 ships that you see on screen at a time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's all very more almost like they've gone through a big thing or there's an empire that's sort of taken over and, you know, said, we don't need these. We need ships. Build us TIE fighters. Build us guns that are where people can't fire a thing at <laughs> you know and stuff like that so i i see the parallels with it like it's sort of like the we're just at the end of the good times entering into the bad you know especially for one guy in particular when his you know when his family is tragically murdered because all good movies need need uh need that motivation yeah, my, my my favorite part of their vacation is that you don't really see the sun for a lot of points. I kept forgetting he was even with them. <laughs> yeah, it's, the beach. it's it's like Carl from The Walking Dead season two. Like, Where's Carl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. They have a son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's convenient for him to be a part of the plot now again. Okay, yeah, and, and he got just got run over. <laughs> And then there I, is I, a, I did I did like that they they chose discretion with like you don't see a motorcycle hitting a like a little boy doll or something like that you just see his shoe kind of flop in the street I thought that was yeah that mm-hmm. was great well and and th- like that because we could have went and and we I mean George Miller could have went more realistic with it because two of the bits of trivia I'm seeing here are he he raised the money by working as an ER doctor um you know, while he was doing this and then the auto crash scene he made realistic because of, you know, as realistic as he could, because he knows, you know, how the human body works and doesn't work. So it's like, we could have gotten hor- horrific kid <laughs> doll mm-hmm. and thing yeah. probably would have got a lot higher rating than R here in America. <laughs> Oh. It's also, also a movie where people's eyes pop out of their heads when they're yeah. about to be hit by things. So, I, I like I like the the mix of silly and uh, like real realistic gore in the movie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's 
So when when Mad Max is or when Max is leaving the Force, I don't think he becomes bad until his kids get hit or his kid gets hit. So also I'll just call him Mad. Um, you know, <laughs> before you know, and he tells the captain that he wants to leave before he he turns into quote unquote one of them. Do you think he eventually does turn into one of them? Uh, I think I guess that's probably the sequels, right? It's, he's basically one of them, just driving around. He's not as violent as uh like Toe Cutter and his gang are, I guess, but. He's still just a loner now that his family's dead. Yeah, I could see yeah. it. That I mean, was the last the last kill when he uh, handcuffs the guy to the truck and gives him the saw. Definitely feels like he's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what many people don't know is that was the that's the prequel for the movie Saw. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's, they actually that's the inspiration for that scene. Yeah, they, I saw that. Oh, yeah. To, yeah, they've said in interviews that was the inspiration for that scene, which is great. I mean, you know, talk about giving somebody the ultimate, uh, the ultimate like uh, no win situation, right? Yeah. Um, but as far as Max, like he, I think it goes a long way to show that sometimes people really are the product of their circumstance, and so yeah, Max maybe becomes one of them, but it shows like just how much it's, you can only push a man so far or it being human so far before most people will break. Yeah. That's usually how most of these like seventies exploitation movies go. It's always mm-hmm. they're pushed to their breaking point and now no, they're no going back. Yeah. It's very uh, like, you're, you're right. That is a very uh, clean answer for how a lot of that works is like, mm-hmm. we're going to show, just how far, how horrible can you be to a person before they start being horrible back? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely reminds the whole genre. Yeah. Definitely reminds me of, and I'm not sure when uh, this movie came out, but it reminded me in bits of uh, Clockwork Orange, like with their gang and the stuff that they were doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tucker's to- 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 gang really feels like that. They just kind of show up and violate whatever is around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for Tokar's gang has a uh, person who, at first, I thought was just a prop standing up in a window, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute, why'd the dude move?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's a guy. He's just hanging out up in the window." <laughs> I so thought. I seriously so thought that. I'm like, "Wait a minute. Okay, cool. There's a person there hanging in a crucifix. You know, it's like previous victim or something." And I'm like, "Wait, why is he doing the Running Man?" <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's Australia. It doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, oh, there's, a, there's yeah. a lot of colorful characters in Toe Cutter's gang. <laughs> yes. I mean, and look at like some of their names too, like like Toe Cutter himself. Like it's just like like and I get like gang nicknames and whatever. I mean, Christ's sakes, you see it on the news every now and again when they arrest gang members and they put their street names on. And it's just like, I see, that's what you're that's what you're doing. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> I see your name is Knight Rider. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, like Toe Cutter really gets me. And it's just like, that's a, like, again, I I know I referenced earlier, but go back to the the opening chase sequence when the dude screams, do you see me now, Toe Cutter? It just feels, it feels so like that sentence has never been uttered before in history. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy who plays the main villain in, um, Fury Road is the same actor who played Toe Cutter, who plays yep. a, a, a Morton mm-hmm. Joe or whatever his name is. And I, and he's great in that one too. Mm-hmm. He plays a great villain. Yeah. yeah, he just his face is it's just a very visual face. Also, clearly, as as a villainous leader, he uh, engenders an amount of uh, his underlings 
wanting to know if uh, he sees them because do you see me now, Toe Cutter, and Witness Me feel very similar. Yeah. I love Witness Me. Being recognized by your being recognized by your villainous boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you gotta move up the ranks. Yeah. <laughs> either that or recognize. all of these yeah, either that or all these bad people just have really horrible need for validation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They all have a toe cutter complex. They just gotta. <laughs> they weren't loved enough as children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I was, sorry, I was reading while we were talking. I was reading some of the other stuff in the trivia section, um, and I got to the point where there's like scenes cut from the film. Some of them have very good reasons, like Jesse shaving Max after the Night Rider chase. Okay. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> understandable. The the weirdest scene to me in the whole movie is like. They cut to Max's house for the first time, and then you're hearing the saxophone and the soundtrack. Oh, and God. They go to the house, and she's playing <laughs> saxophone for him. I go, what in the world? Not really, really expecting that at all. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was on board at that point. Like, okay, whatever else you got for me, Mad Max, I'm here for it. Um, but then uh, another one, the Interceptor costs over three times Mel Gibson's salary for the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cost uh thirty five thousand uh, dollars. I'm assuming Australian. To does, he drive, does he drive the Interceptor in the other two movies as well as his main car the whole time? Um, he drives. It's not the same car, but he drives yeah. so, like you know in universe. Uh, it's his Interceptor. But, uh, okay, but it's but yeah, but like it's meant it's meant to be the same style of car the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the police Interceptor. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, I'm more intrigued now on the stuff to make this movie because it's, again, I have the soft spot for the really low budget movies and, you know, and it, like that, you know, how creative it was to, that people had to be to make their vision. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. The, the the last question that Cass had here, um, because she brilliantly thought of questions where I'm sitting there going, "What the fuck am I watching?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick, quickly before we move on into that, uh, yeah. I do have to apologize. It was in fact the same pursuit special in uh, Road Warrior. Oh, really? They, yes. Um, it is. Uh, they reacquired it, uh, the one that they had used for Mad Max for Road Warrior. So I. Uh. Yes, I am sorry about that. Uh, it was, but then it was sold to a wrecking yard afterward. Um, oh, man, it was re- it was rescued from there and is now in a car museum in Miami. Oh, that's good. Oh. It didn't it didn't end up like the old uh, Jaws shark, just like rotting in a junkyard <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, no, it it is in the Deezer Car Museum in uh, uh, North Miami, Florida. Okay. Oh wait, hang on, it's being moved to Orlando. The entire thing, lock, stock, and barrel, the museum, and will be known as the Orlando Auto Museum. Reopen. Huh. Nice. Uh, wow. They have the they have Grease Lightning from Grease, the <laughs> DeLorean, a DeLorean from Back to the Future, the original wow. Batmobile, and the Pursuit Special. Wait, when you say the original Batmobile, do you mean the '66 Batmobile? I'm I'm assuming it says it, it literally the Wikipedia article for it says an original Batmobile. So I'm assuming <laughs> that could so. mean anything nowadays. Yes, exactly. I would say Jeff Dunham has a Batmobile, like an original <laughs> film used Batmobile. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it could there be either. I, I'm curious to know which one. I would I would have to imagine it'd be the not no because I think the '66 one's in L.A. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one of picture them, in the still. Burton Batmobile. But most importantly, for their purposes, they have the original Pursuit Special. Nice, That's awesome. Nice. That, that jumped to the top of the list of uh, car museums. I will someday. If I if I ever end up in Orlando again, and <laughs> I'm gonna hit up the Deezer collection. Oh yeah, the DeLorean just just cause I love a Back to the Future DeLorean. All right, so so the third question here is, um, in in the first movie, and I'm only able to base this off the first movie, so. Uh, we get the MFP, the what is it, the Mega Force Police or whatever. Um, they at first you don't know who they're exactly reporting to. How how far away are we from them just being another gang? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna get a little topical here. How far away are we from police forces in the United States just being gangs now? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty well armed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of my point. And they don't answer to a lot of people. So, yeah. it, it was this really just a prophetic, or was it a review of what George Miller thought about law enforcement? You know, yeah. Uh, something I thought about a lot in relation to this movie specifically is like, is this just George Miller saying like, hey, uh, law enforcement are really just you know goons with a badge? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every day, every day I watch the news, I go, I hope Mad Max isn't becoming reality. <laughs> yeah. Closer and closer to it. I mean, yeah, look, just... of, of all the George Miller films, I think I'd rather this than, you know, Babe. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Let us, really... let us never forget that the man that gave us Mad Max is also the man who uh, wrote Babe, Pig in the City. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I hope that's one of y'all's future movies, Babe Pig in the City. That is another weird George Miller movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's jarring that, like, the guy that gave you The Witches of Eastwick and the Mad Max movies and one of the sequences in Twilight Zone, the movie, also oh. gave you a pig who heard sheep. <laughs> <laughs> the versatile I, remember, I remember really liking that movie as a kid, though. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, no. I, oh, I yeah. loved Babe as a kid, and the sequel, fine. Um, but <laughs> it's very like I didn't know for years that you know, and then again, it's also the guy who brought you Happy Feet and Happy Feet Two, yeah, and then Mad right. Max Fury Road. So it's just like George Miller, one extreme or the other. <laughs> He's got a message to get out there, whether it be about dancing penguins or uh, singing pigs, pigs who herd sheep, or <laughs> the fact that you know society isn't really. Yeah, it's crumbling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that is going to do it for the main discussion. We have another ad for you right here. The High Low Cast, where we rank the highs and lows of various topics from entertainment. You know, I've always wondered why we don't see Sinbad anymore. Paul, that is not the Sinbad you think. Paul is looking at the cartoon Sinbad's Voyage that no. was a major flop. Legend of the Seven Seas? Yes. Uh, <laughs> do you think that's Sinbad the Comedian? Or do you think that's the ancient tale of Sinbad? I saw Sinbad, I thought that was Sinbad the Comedian. <laughs> to logos. So I looked up, like worst logo fails of all time and yeah. all of them are like if you look at them a certain way they're sexual in nature okay <laughs> you got a, you got a real motif they all that. have short blonde hair and uh. <laughs> <laughs> to everything in between plus all the relationship advice you could want from the bowels of reddit from our own love guru dr soft pea if you if you inseminate if you put if you put my seed into any ovulating female five <laughs> miles of here that lady will get pregnant it doesn't matter who she is so name what? her five miles what if she what if she's uh how is your seat so potent the high low cast spelled h-i-l-o available wherever you listen to podcasts and we're back and we're going to do a little fun thing here on 
who would you be in Mad Max? Now, I'm going to give this a little caveat of you don't have to pick an exact character. We could do, like, if you're going to be background extra number three who got paid in beer in this biker gang, <laughs> you can go with that. So, uh, I will give you guys some time to think as to where you would be. Personally, myself, I would not, I would, I'd be the shop owner who would be like, yeah, he went down that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, that archetypal character is vastly important to cinema yeah. and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people don't give enough credit for the guy who pointed either the good guys or the bad guys in the direction, depending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Trust me. I get it. Cause tomorrow when we're recording this, I have, I have to talk about uh, the jerk. And so I was watching that and I'm like, it's my review is probably gonna be a little similar, but again, it's because it's 1979. It was 10 years before I was born. <laughs> it was 30 some years before I'd before, you know, since I had seen them when it originally came out and all that stuff. But it was it like, just, it, it, I would probably would be in there. I'd probably be like the, the guy who runs the gas station. Just be like simple guy wants to do, you know, doing his own thing. Oh, Hey, you want some gas? Okay. Here gas. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Man, someone really hates these cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, I'm like, there's an idiot in front of me, be like, um, no, it's not the cans, dude. You just stay, you just stay over there. In fact, go away from the shop. You know, on the open field. There yeah. you go. Yeah, you go over there because the guy shooting at you is destroying my gas station. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is your your dream in cinema to be the helpful NPC. In in these two types, yes. Um, <laughs> because if it's uh, if it's other types of movies, it's different. I mean, because I was as a kid, I always dreamed my my myself being the Luke Skywalker, you know, mm-hmm. the main hero. But as I'm like, um, in here, yeah, he goes cra- he goes mad. Um, I don't think I would be that creative to let the electricity from a broken light bulb blow up a car as it collects gas i'd just be like okay what's gonna be the most painful way here (laughs) just you know oh i got the sawed off shotgun okay where would you like your your wound (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a lot of thought uh i feel like i haven't put enough thought into it but uh toe cutter 100 percent. not even close (laughs) let me let me be the bad guy in charge uh, I'm I'm soft and way too nice in real life, so let me be the bad guy in charge of stuff. <laughs> I uh, went with uh, Bubba Zanetti, who is oh. a member of Toe Cutter's gang, uh, because he's cold, calculating, a little quiet, and a uh, bleach blonde psycho. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if he was the one who had his hand ripped off, but maybe maybe not. <laughs> uh, so me- so uh, so hard, real quick. So Cass, what I'm hearing is typecasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, for me, I'm gonna go with uh, my favorite character in the movie, Jim Goose. Once again, even Ooh, though he nice. gets, even though he gets all burnt up, and when he got burnt up in my notes, I put roast goose. <laughs> <laughs> but he also had he also had my favorite line in the movie. And when they come up on the guy who's running through the field with no pants, he goes, "Hey, fella, you're a turkey. You know that?" <laughs> I go, Jim, <laughs> Jim, you're all right. <laughs> nice. Um. But yeah, so the final bit here is, you know, rating the movie. Um, how much, basically, we're going to give you $10. How would you, you know, as a 
arbitrary point system and we, we will put american dollars you know not to confuse people with the australian american conversion rate what is what uh, is the australian the i'm trying to say denomination i don't think that's right de- denomin- forget it it's dollar reduce yeah they also use dollar reduce yeah well that, and that's yeah that's the joke as they call it the, the australian dollar uh which by ah. the way is um one u.s dollar is about a buck and a half australian if you're interested okay in, in today's times. Yes, presently. In present times. Back in 1978 when they when when George Miller was, you know, saving people's lives and to and then saving aside the money so he can make this movie to endanger people's lives. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit different. Yeah. So, uh what what, what would you guys rate uh the movie at? Um I would definitely pay like $7.50. To see this movie. All right, all right, seven fifty. I would probably, probably in in the same vein. Probably in the same vein, to be honest. I'll, I'll tell you, and I also put seven fifty on mine, but <laughs> within our discussion, I'm going to bump it up to eight fifty. I'd pay eight fifty. Uh, hey, there we go. All right, oh, I'm doing the math because I hear they want us to do like the averages. Um. I'm sorry, sorry. I, blew, I blew the easy. The easy no, no, you're good. no, you're good. No, because I'm doing the... I, I opened up the calculator app because I'm like, I'm not mental math while recording a thing. <laughs> um, so for me, I mean, originally when I watched the movie, it was like a four, like a four or five, but I definitely think I'm bumping it up, you know, and not doing none of this 50 cent bullshit. Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm probably going up to to a seven i would say um just because you know talking to it especially with people who know what they're talking about um because i have to be that guy a lot um you know it's it i I, i'm i now understand where some of the things that i might not have liked actually were intentional and not just oh hey we're you know really low budget um and stuff like that but yeah, so I mean, and it gives us an average of seven dollars sixty cents. We'll we'll do that as an easy one there. Um, we, we don't need the extra two five after. I'd, I'd kill to be able to see a movie for that much. Yeah, <laughs> so just like a nineteen ninety nine prices right there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that feels, feels um, pretty good. Actually, that's <laughs> Oklahoma prices. I lived in Oklahoma for a couple of years. <laughs> I, could, I could see movies on release night for seven. Right. Yeah, that's that's Michigan prices if you don't live in in any of the bigger cities like Ann Arbor, Lansing, Detroit. <laughs> that's 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 also before five PM. Cause that's about what I could that's I think I saw um like one of the last movies I'd seen that wasn't Jan Silent Bob reboot because that was a special one. It was like yeah. that price. Wow, that's wild. I think yeah. the last time I went to the last two times I've been to the theater it was thirteen or fourteen dollars, but that's also what yeah. you get when you live twenty five miles from yeah, it's yeah. all it's all movie passes and stuff like that for me. So I just pay a monthly fee. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, so the basically the only other things that is left to say is our closing remarks. Sounds like we overall enjoyed the movie, um, giving it an average rating of seven dollars and sixty cents. Um, but you can do us a favor. You can subscribe, rate, and review on all the podcast platforms if you ha- haven't already. Please do so. You can email us at oraclepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it. 
Uh, you can check out this and other wonderful podcasts over at oraclepodcast.com. Our theme music is performed by Eric Hunt. And before I say the final thing, I because I forgot to this, you guys get to plug stuff. And I get to plug stuff as well, but I sort of get two since I'm a part of one of them. So, uh, Cass, where can people find you? Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram. I'm Cassandra underscore Leah. And uh, you can check out the Good Idea podcast. And that's on the Nuclear Heat Network. I also have a wrestling podcast, which is Nuclear Heat Podcast. Nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> Dan, what about you? Where can people find you? www.superliminalfilms.com. Also, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Anywhere you can find the words superliminal and films next to each other, you can find me. All right. And, of course, the most important person, because you are our subject here. Uh, Alan, where can people find you? Uh, I am the co-host of uh, the High Low Cast. We're a podcast where we rank the highs and lows of various topics, uh, entertainment, politics, you name it. Uh, you can find us on most uh, streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, we're on social media at High Low Cast. So. Nice, nice. And uh, I am Gregor Sprague. You can find most of the stuff I'm slowly working on it at Linktree. Uh, for the, just search that Gregor uh, for most things out there. Um, and you can follow all my other friends because they are one of our broadcast partners. I'd like to thank personally Galactic Netcast. You can find them over at gncasts.com and Age of Radio over at ageofradio.org. This has been Now You've Seen It and Now, now You've Heard It. Goodbye. Now You've Seen It is a production of Oracle Media Productions in association with Age of Radio and Galactic Netcasts. For more great podcasts, visit oraclepodcasts.com, ageofradio.org, and gncasts.com.